0: this is everything happens i'm kate bowler the first few hours after receiving my diagnosis of stage 4 cancer were just total chaos but in the midst of it i remembered someone i would recently interviewed for a book and weirdly i found myself dialing her number Her name is Margaret Feinberg, and she's a popular Christian speaker at major evangelical conferences and the author of a book called Fight Back with Joy. The book is about her own experience with cancer, and I'd love to talk about that in a minute, but I loved her on sight. In an evangelical women's world of ladies with long flowing glossy hair and promotional photos of laughing families. She has this short brown pixie cut and an author photo where she looks like she's sharing a joke with her dog. Hours after receiving the news, I found myself dialing her number. I think I said something like, Margaret, it's me Kate, the girl from last month that interviewed you. And I just got diagnosed with stage four cancer. And then I think I said something really unladylike. Margaret, is sitting with me here now, and we've never really talked about this. Do you remember that moment?
1: I do. I do. I think I said some rather unladylike words first because, I don't know, I just – I think those are some of the best words that you can hear. Yeah. Because in in saying unladylike things, it just – I was trying to communicate to you. I'm on Team Kate now and forever, no matter what. And I – yeah. Yeah. I still remember. Mm.
0: Well, you did. I mean, that's that's exactly what you communicated. You found a way to say something like, I'm on your side. I am with you. And you said something like that we were part of the fellowship of the afflicted. When did you figure out that suffering was a kind of fellowship?
1: Yeah. I think in... You know, in my own story um, of getting sick, and we talk about this, like we both got sick in our 30s, yeah. which is not a normal time. No. Right? Like, uh, you just broke the life script. <laughs> yes. Right? And yeah, And so people yeah, are like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know how to interact with you. I don't know what to say to you. I don't know. And at that point, everybody around you is young too. And so you become like the first person in their um, world to, to kind of like – do this thing, walk this strange foreign path. And what I figured out pretty early on is there was – there was a split in my relationships and my friends and there were those who somehow knew how to say the right thing and do the right thing. Often they were older and then there were others who I would just – I would walk away I felt like just bleeding. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, what is the difference? And I realized, oh, the people, no matter what age, height, background, any of those things like – If they had walked their own affliction, then they walked among the fellowship of the afflicted. And like when you're one of those, often there's characteristics I figured out. We often don't say a whole lot. Yes. Uh, We don't have any pat answers. We don't speak with certainty. Wow. And we learn how to just be in the presence of. So it's a gift and something – That I appreciate now more than ever.
0: That's so funny you said like not so many words are needed because I was thinking about that lately because there's things people say to me like um, like really specific questions about what kind of cancer I have Mm -hmm. or like my treatment and I just I feel my brain dying. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. it's like I think they're trying to communicate curiosity slash concern but it more feels like it's I don't know, like excavating something really terrible. And now I have to say it out loud to them. Mm-hmm. And you just do this thing where you, you just kind of come alongside. Mm-hmm. It's like we all passed out the decoder rings in the cereal <laughs> box. And like we all got one. And like weirdly, like I'd only interviewed you once, but like I felt like I got the ring. And then when I needed the ring with someone else, like you were, I think I called my parents. Mm-hmm. And then I called you so i that must have been skills you figured out somewhere in the midst of writing that last book right before we spoke it you were as i recall in the middle of writing a book about joy and then you got the (laughs) worst news of your life you got diagnosed with breast cancer
1: I was two weeks away from turning an entire manuscript on joy. I mean, I'd spent a year of my life studying it. I was all pumped. And then I get this brutal diagnosis. And... I literally went from searching for joy in the relatively good times of life to searching for joy in the deep, dark, suffering, pain, horror. Which body part do we want to cut off of you today? Kind oh. of world. Um, I, I, before that, I never understood the connection between joy and grief, yeah. and and that it actually, when you learn to grieve well, you expand your bandwidth for joy. But it was brutal. It was. It's as I've said, it is the most expensive book I've ever written. <laughs>
0: So, like, walk me through as much as you want to, like, the specifics of you're almost done this book, you get this terrible diagnosis, Mm -hmm. and then what? Like, you're launched into the horrible routine of, like, chemotherapy and blah, blah, like, all the horrible stuff.
1: Well, okay. So, first of all, I grew up in a family where cancer happened to some. One else, cancer didn't happen in our family, so that was a um, illusion that quickly got bashed in, and I wasn't quite sure to do with that because even my my parents like, what we don't we don't do this, no, and well now we are now we are, and then to get it young. And then to discover when you get it young, and I think a lot, I don't know how many people know this, but basically a lot of times people don't understand that when a young person gets cancer, it's a big deal. Because when you're older, your immune system wears down, so it doesn't take a very strong little cancer cell to break in. But when you're young and you've got a vibrant immune system and the cancer cell breaks in, that's a fierce little army who is now just... Broken in, knocked down the walls, and is about to go to task. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, what is this? And they're like, ooh, and you got the really bad kind. So you're getting the chemo and the radiation and multiple surgery. I think I had like five surgeries, you know, and it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, because I think sometimes, I think that's also people don't realize how different cancers are. It's not one cancer, it's a no. billion. Yeah. So some people kinda get like a, a little mini meal and then some people get a regular size and then some people got supersized. Yeah. And and so when somebody says, I survived, it's great. Well well wait, which which one did you have? Yeah. And so this was a whole new world and, and just really dark decisions. Um, of of literally what order do you want things cut out and cut off. And, and it's like, wait, what? I was just a vibrant, healthy, yeah. hiking, accomplished, achievement girl and everything is gone. And now I'm making the worst decisions ever and nobody has given me any skills for this.
0: And like, as I recall, you had to I mean, you didn't have the luxury of, like, setting aside your career during that time. You had to keep being the person who I think of as, like, the human tigger. Like, you have more bounce than anyone I have ever met. And, like, I think that's really what audiences expect from you, too, on stage is, like, you come on stage like a hurricane. Like, it's just this, like, whirlwind of joy, and it shows up, and you're, like – joking and laughing and like you are like firing on all cylinders and then all of a sudden you have to also do treatment also grapple with it and like you're still traveling at this stage
1: yeah and i think a couple things first of all i don't think people get that generally people who are diagnosed with whatever illness they will do better if they continue to work and hmm. that's what I was advised. And they said, don't, don't try to carve out. But we didn't have even the privilege or the yeah. ability to not work because my husband works with me. And and so because it's writing and speaking, he manages bookings, et cetera. Well, if I don't work, if I don't continue to produce, we can't pay for health insurance. And right. so people would say, why are you still speaking? Why are you still? It's like, are you offering to pay my medical bills? Yeah. Are you offering to pick up? Because we don't. We don't have that luxury. And so, yeah, I traveled um, and spoke all through chemo. Um, I did miss one event um, because I'd flunked out of chemo and was waiting on crazy drugs to get. And so that was the one I had to cancel. But I would walk up there skinny, bald, I mean, just this frail, sickly girl... And I would save up all my energy. I would lay in bed, and, and from the treatments, and I, w- I would, I would literally every iota of energy I would save for that thirty-five or forty minutes on stage, and then I would walk off that stage. My husband would help carry me back to the hotel, help carry me back on the plane. Um, I'm wearing the the whole the the gloves and wiping everything down, and the mask, so because I have no immune system, and and did that and. And there was something brutal about it, brutal and beautiful. Um, For the first time, because I couldn't even stay to interact with anybody, it was interesting because I was just giving myself and I got nothing in return. There was no interaction. There was no accolades. Sometimes there was no applause. There was nothing. And so you leave with this huge vacuum of giving out, getting nothing, being sick. And this sounds so weird, but in that it was so freeing and it was so healing it was, it was probably some of the purest giving I've ever given.
0: I'm wondering how when you get off the stage and then somebody with that wisdom, with the Fellowship of the Afflicted, like gets it, what are some of the beautiful things that uh, people have said to you? You know, I had somebody
1: give me their coin from AA. And at first, I'll be honest, I was like, oh my goodness, I not just caused you to go back to the very (laughs) I was like, it was that bad. It was that bad. (laughs) I give up. And um, a sweet friend explained, no, that is the highest compliment that you could get from someone like that they could possibly Hmm. give you. And so I have it. I actually put it in a little frame in my house as just that like this is the difference that can be made when you live in that, that place of where the illusions are gone and you're just that living offering. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was beautiful.
0: So what do you think they meant by it? Like when you look at it, what do you think that that was – what was their best hope for you?
1: I think they meant this has transformed my life mm-hmm. in such a profound way that I'm willing to give up this coin that I've carried in my pocket. and It was well-worn for I don't even know how many years to communicate to you that this, this really mattered at a deep place. Mm-hmm. And what an honor and what an opportunity not just to receive but to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was amazing. Um, I've heard from, you know, readers, and I think the coolest part is that this book transcends not, it's not just, it's not a cancer book. It mm-hmm. is, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's really about, it doesn't matter what situation you're in. Um, maybe you're you're caring for your aging parents. Maybe mom has Alzheimer's. Um, maybe you're under the stress of, you know, raising five kids or a special needs child. I mean, any of that, it just, it's that sense of, okay, what do we do when, when we start to discover that joy is weaponry to fight back the darkness?
0: Well, you, like, took on some, like, joyful practices, right? Like, <laughs> didn't you bring food to the people in the hospital? Like, I did. I wrote crazy jokes on my boobs that I would surprise <laughs> the
1: doctors with, and uh, which I cannot share because they are unladylike. <laughs> but in that situation, it's perfectly fine. Uh, I <laughs> so would, they're just, like, unzipping it? And yeah, like... yeah. And they would just burst out laughing or shake their head. And it was classic. <laughs> um I would try to dress in bright colors. I would show up with food and celebratory appetizers of almost every medical appointment for the staff. One day I went and I brought red balloons to everyone in the oncology who were, were lined up in all of our chairs and just said, would you like a red balloon? And some people would say yes, and others would say no, and I'll totally get it. <laughs> Um, And and going bald, you know, they know I'm not the outsider who's all healthy coming in. I'm with you guys. Yeah. And then sitting and talking for them for half an hour, an hour, that was joy.
0: Yeah, I like that, though, because, like, I mean, that space, I used to call it the gymnasium of human pain Mm because you're, like, hooked up to these machines and you look around and, like, every single person's having a terrible day. And you're trying to, like, that's part of what made me feel like this wasn't about cancer but it was just this universalizing moment where we're all we can all see each other in our intense fragility and like there's a weird you know and some people are like muffled tears and whatever and other people are like laughing with their friends but like everybody's just trying to get through and everybody's hoping for that little window where they can give and receive being human in these like in a minute where you just don't know what's going to happen. Like that's like part of the deep, I guess, maybe the fellowship of the afflicted, like getting rid of the certainty is, yeah, you start to learn to talk to each other without pat answers or cliches or easy assurances. Mm
1: -hmm. And what's odd about it is that the people who don't use those things are the most comforting people. It's not always what they say, it's the absence of what they don't say that just says, okay, we're here. We're we're living in a different on a different island, in a different geographical, spiritual, physical place. And we're all on the same team. We're all fighting for life, which is our most precious gift. And we're gonna all do it in different ways, and there's grace for all the emotional spectrum. Yeah. Whatever you're feeling today is fine. And yeah. you're just there is a sense of deep love that doesn't it's not based on anything except love and a camaraderie of understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And then there are all the people that we want to just lovingly punch in the face. Those (laughs) are my uh, (laughs) face. So, like, what are some of the – like, I got a lot of clueless, like – everything happens for a reason and i'm guessing that you got a lot of unhelpful oh. suggestions advice
1: oh no no more recipes people yeah. no yeah. more recipes yeah. okay i'm just going to be honest like whatever berry or fruit or the worst the worst was the coffee enemas <laughs> what? repeatedly i was sent emails given handwritten notes <laughs> told by really well-meaning people that a coffee enema no. was going to save my life and Sorry. um Ain't going there, buddy. points. <laughs> nope. I'm out. Out. Like it does get that crazy for some of you. are Like, well, of course I will. I'm like, don't, don't write me. We're not friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't write me. We're not doing that. And all of the stuff. And and it's just there's a lot of hocus pocus. I would run it all by my queen. I called my I called my ecologist the queen because by her I would live or die. And I I I just couldn't I couldn't I couldn't yeah. ah I still yeah. and they still send it and I'm like stop people stop trying to fix cancer if there was a cure. It's not coming from you. Love yeah. you. <laughs> not coming from you. Best wishes. Come yeah. Please back up.
0: <laughs> beep, beep, beep. <laughs> well, like you made cards, right? Like of stuff to say to people.
1: <gasps> oh, my goodness, Kate. I got the worst cards in the mail. Okay. So I got a card and it said in sympathy. And I was thinking, I'm in sympathy for your card. And by the way, <laughs> I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Uh, I got one that said, I'm sorry for your loss. And I was thinking, I miss the Tatas too. <laughs> You know? I mean, these are horrible. And so I got really mad for a while. One of my friends told me to like save all the cards and put them in a basket. And I did. And it was it was a sign and an encouragement that people loved and cared. Yeah. But at a certain point, I was like, where are people finding all of these horrible cards? Yeah. And then I went to a large store, which probably should remain nameless. But, but let's just say the symbol is like a... Um, it's where you shoot an arrow and sure. there's a bullseye. You know yeah, that one? Yeah. And I looked in the aisles and I realized, this is why they're such bad cards. There's not good ones. And so I finally decided I'm going to make some cards about what, yeah. to, what to send to people. Yeah. And so I know one of them, um, I took the idea of a, a seeing arch eye chart and put instead of the, the letters, I put XO, XO, XO. Oh, cute. Really sweet. And then inside it just says, um, I know sometimes in life it's hard to see clearly. Things can get really blurry. But know that when I look at you, I see someone who is loved mm. and affirmed and beautiful. And those kinds of sentiments that speak life into someone. Yeah. No more in sympathy. Uh-uh. We, we ain't doing that. We are going to no. speak life and hope and beauty and truth and remind people. I think some of those powerful words you can say to somebody is, you know, you are loved and you are not alone. Yeah, And I am with you and I am for you. Yeah, And that simple statement, it translates in phone calls. It translates in emails. It translates in texts. But giving people a
0: vocabulary for
1: what is really a hard time sometimes?
0: Yeah, yeah. I was trying to explain that to someone like you got to thread the needle between like not eulogizing people, mm-hmm. like because like this one person once wrote me like a very long email and I realized that he was entirely describing me in the past tense. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it was like you were so funny, and I was like, oh god, this is not going well. Yeah, and like you do want someone to feel like they still see that you're not eclipsed by whatever you're going through. Yeah. yeah.
1: Can I share a story of someone who I was thinking back to your question about like somebody who did something that really breathed life and was just yeah. one of the most delightful. It's one of the kindest things that anybody's ever done for me in my entire life. My taste buds change so much under cancer that I, I couldn't decide day to day what I wanted to eat. One day something would taste good and the next I'd spit it out. Even things like chicken noodle soup, basic things. Sometimes I'd eat a blueberry, it tastes like a mushroom. Everything got really weird and so people wanted to bring food and casseroles and it, or whatever. It wasn't a gift because I, we would just throw most of it away so we yeah. said instead would you buy me gift cards, the local Whole Foods or grocery store where I can walk into the deli, taste sample, and then be able to bring food home that I would want to eat. And uh, Peggy and Louie sent me the first month, they sent me a $100 gift card to Whole Foods. And I thought, that is so sweet. And yeah. at that point, there's a lot of people when the initial kind of 911 goes out about a tragedy, people circle around. Well, month two, they sent a second card. And month three, they sent a third. And by this time, people are starting to thin out. They've they've rushed in. They've given their nod. And now they're just, they're gone. Yeah. Month five, month six. Do you know they continued to send me those gift cards for 26 months? What? During that time, sometimes I would get their letter or their card in the mail and I would just start weeping because I felt so deeply loved. And they sent those until I wrote them and said, okay, we're better. We're back up on our feet now. You don't have to do that. But that was born out of their own pain of their son dying from a vicious fight with cancer. Mm. And that kind of I am with you now and for the long haul is – it is one of those powerful things that we can do for people that we don't just send the one or the two time card, but we keep reaching out. We keep texting. We keep emailing. Yeah. It means so much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really does. It really does thin out. Uh, yeah. It really does sort of taper off. But we don't thin out. No, no, no. <laughs> um. Since I think we both share the same wish that the world was a little bit safer for people like us, I was wondering if you had any suggestions for what people can do to make the world a little gentler mm. for people who are
1: suffering. I love this. I love this about Kate. So Kate's discerning, like, biggest thing about people is she asks this core question, are they kind? Mm and so you can be whatever political, emotive, opinionated, you can be driven, you can be all <laughs> things but at the end of the day if you're kind yeah. that's really what everything boils down to and yeah. i love that so i think that kindness that you're calling forward is so important i think for for those who who maybe you know somebody else who's suffering Um, going through a hard time, crisis. They come in every shape and form and flavor imaginable. And I think, number one, you know, to break the silence, Um, to give the gift of your presence. You know, I think committing for the long term. I, I look to the story of the Good Samaritan. It teaches so many rich lessons. But if you just look at the practicality of it, he picks him up, scoops him, Gives him transportation, yeah. helps him find good, comfy bedding, helps commit and pay for the medical needs, and checks back in. Yeah. Okay, so basically, yeah. just read the story literally <laughs> and do those things. I know it's just simple, but but if we yeah. do those things, we're we're good. So look at transportation. Look at good bedding. I mean, yeah. seriously, you have people right now, they need a better pillow. They need yeah. better sheets because they're spending more time in their bed than they've ever spent. Yeah. Um, maybe you can contribute something to medical bills. Those little things, nobody offers to say, hey, you know, here's here's 50 or 25 or 100 bucks for your medical bills. Just just put it toward that. Yeah. And I also think that to recognize and I think to be kinder is I think our first question when somebody gets sick is, well, do you have health insurance? And and when the answer is yes, we think everything's okay. No the hit yeah. is not just in all the medical bills. Remembering that your maximum out of pocket is every calendar year, but it's also it's the cost of the loss of work, yeah. the loss of income, the increased child care, the different foods, all the prescriptions, the medication. Those bills are are crazy, and yeah. people don't recognize or understand that you can step in and just say, "Hey," and and, and the fifty or hundred dollars to the bazillion dollars bills isn't going to be. That much, but it just is one more way in in kindness to say, I am with you. I am fighting with you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Man. What would you add to that? Mm. No, I like this emphasis on practicalities because, like, some of the biggest things people did for me were um in the – like helping sort of stand beside me to fight institutional wars mm. that I was fighting with my health insurance. So, I mean, that's not stuff that everyone can do for people. But just having an awareness that, like, at any given moment, half my brain is being taken up by wondering if there's going to be enough to go around. And that, like, the medical world is just going to eclipse so much of what I imagined for my future, not just emotionally, but practically So any of those little infusions of like grace and joy and energy and also just like a gift card for something. Do you know what one of the kindest
1: things people did for me, this is sound funny, but especially in our situation where basically everything rides on being the man myself as the breadwinner is they gave me work. They gave me work. They didn't cancel on me when they found out I had cancer. They still allowed me to work, knowing that I was high risk as a sick speaker coming. I mean, a lot could go wrong. And then what was interesting is after I I, I was through treatment, I really struggled with a lack of work. And that's also something to keep in mind. that the, For some people, you may say, okay, they're through cancer. They're good. But nobody may be giving them work because yeah. they've been sick. And so there was a huge year there. that was actually more painful financially than the year I was sick. But give people work if you you have that ability.
0: Well, you look great now. And I know you're, you know, back in the swing and everything. But I just love that even though you're doing so well, you always seem to make space for the Fellowship of the Afflicted. Mm -hmm. So thanks so much for that gift. Thanks for talking with me today. Love you, Kate. Talking to Margaret, it made me realize how seldom I use cancer words and how reluctant I was to even just ask them in the form of a question. Like, what kind of cancer did you have again? Or what was your diagnosis? Or "Um, I heard you got chemotherapy and radiation. Like, none of these are words that I usually say out loud. And I notice that other people in similar situations that they don't really use them either. I think part of it is that when I say it, like, like, ugh, like even just saying it like chemotherapy, like it just like I can feel it in my body. Like, I remember what it was like when they had to attach it like fluids and and I had to wear it around my waist, and it snaked up into this thing and went into my chest. And, like, I can feel these words in my body. And so, like, oh, when people say, what's your diagnosis or something, they're also imagining that I'm, like, a terrible fortune teller who can, like, look into the future and tell them what's going to happen. And, like, one, I always want to say, like, buddy, if you think you know what's going to happen in your life, like good luck. But to me, it just like brings back all of those awful conversations, this new language I had to learn when I got this diagnosis to start talking about my life like a prognosis, like all of a sudden I could anticipate what was going to happen. And I immediately learned the dance of avoiding all of those questions and all of those words. So I say things like, Oh, I've been in treatment, or now I'm managing illness, but I will do everything I can do to not be really specific. So, like, for instance, um, my book has to be like, like labeled as a genre. And I found it so terrible that it was going to be like a cancer genre. And not just a cancer genre. I looked it up and it's listed as the like number one release in colorectal cancer. Like, I don't think I use the word like colon cancer like pretty much anywhere in the book, because one, I don't think I wanted people to imagine my colon. And like two, I don't think I imagined I wanted the word rectal, like anywhere near what people pictured when they pictured me in my life. So I just, it's yeah, so everyone's been taking screenshots and like sending it to me, like number one release in colorectal cancer. (laughs) And I find the whole thing truly horrifying. Every single day we make dozens of decisions, but we don't know until much later which ones will change the course of our lives. Wes Moore is an author and activist and knows all about what it means to come to the fork in the road. Listen to our amazing conversation next time. Everything happens is produced by Duke University in association with North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. Support comes from Faith and Leadership an online learning resource. This podcast is produced by Beverly Abel and Allison Jones. Sound engineering is by Dennis Foley with assistance from Ivan Panaruski. Special thanks to Amanda Height and the Be the Change Revolution team and Random House. And we'd love to hear from you. If you like what you're hearing, please post a review on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You can find me on Facebook, always, Instagram, often, and Twitter every day at Kate C. Bowler. Let's chat. Until next time, this is Everything Happens. I'm Kate Bowler.